This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning for however it applies. Uh, hope everybody had, uh, obviously, to everybody, Merry Christmas. Hope everybody had a good one, family, friends, uh, you know, parents, you know, with the kids. Uh, it's, it's a good time, uh, you know. Uh, for everybody else, you know, hope you got what you wanted. Hope the food was good. Uh, hope nobody drank too much. For everybody else, you know, on what I guess it's uh, day five of Hanukkah. Uh, just hope everybody's enjoying it. Um, but look, it's week seventeen. Uh, we got a regular season to close out one way or another, and we're just we're gonna do that here. Uh, your host Jeff Lloyd uh, joining almost all the time from SA.com's Browns Maven Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns wise. For your daily delivery of all things dog pound, um, I guess I want to start with this one here, Pete. Um, and I don't know why people are making much of it, but um, did anybody really think week seventeen, like all of a sudden now, Freddie Kitchens is going to say, you know what, I've made a mistake here over fifteen games. We're going to let Todd Monken call the plays this week. I mean, come on. I don't know why that was a question um uh, for that reason i don't know what you know let's even in the event he says you know what we're going to go ahead and do it and let's say they go out and play well let's say they go out and play poorly what does any of it do in terms of the season um if you're going to make a change it only makes sense to change after the season Uh, well realistically you could have you know had uh, Todd Munkin call the plays and not say anything. Uh, that's the other option. But uh, I don't, you know, it, 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 in a world where Freddie Kitchens is still the head coach, you can have that conversation. But you're basically, you're either, you either believe in Freddie Kitchens at this point or you don't. And I don't see what that would change. And in what will any of that what any of that would prove so to me it's just get through the last game and move on but it's uh for some reason this came up yeah i mean look it it, it wasn't going to change and you know obviously there's been times here in the preseason in the past where you know some guys gotten a call plays and we haven't found found out till a significant amount of time after but you know you know with any head coach in Freddie, whatever spot he's in here, uh, you know, you have that fighter mentality and, you know, whether it's over, or it's not, he doesn't believe it's over. Uh, he wants to go out there and hopefully call the game of his life, uh, you know, beat Cincinnati by double digits in their building. That's the way it should be. You know, sometimes, you know, much ado is made about nothing here. And, you know, for him to say that basically would have said, well, I think I'm fired here. So I'm going to throw Todd Monk in a bone and let him call place here in this final week. Pete, Jarvis Landry, um, you know, it, it looks like the injuries are pretty significant. And, you know, if this wide receiver duo continues, who knows when actually they'll be seen before the summer because, you know, Odell with the hernia, um, you know, Jarvis vertebrae, hip, whatever the whole scenario is going on. Uh, and guys are pretty banged up. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, you know, what all is involved something about a vertebrae causing issues with the hip, which is, I guess, uh, deteriorated over the course of the season. Um, It's odd to me that there's a question about playing in the Pro Bowl. It seems like 
you, you get it. I, I, I mean, unless you're basically trying to suggest that this is such a small deal that, you know, it's not going to cost you any time um, in the offseason, it would seem that would be the obvious move is skip the Pro Bowl, uh, get that done. Um, so you can, you know, you're, you're coming off what it will be a, either a six and nine or a seven and 10, or I'm sorry, a six and 10 or seven and nine season. Like, I understand the you know individual achievement aspect of this, but uh, you know if if he's part of this team next year, um, your thought process would seemingly be um, we've got to get this thing figured out. And it's not to say you know well I, the Pro Bowl is a waste of time anyway from a playing standpoint. So it seems like it would just be a fantastic excuse to get out of it anyway. So yeah, I mean there's no. I mean, this may come out. We may get some more information on that. I mean, he sort of gave a lot of insight into what's going on, but that there's no, you know, it's not like a typical injury where it's like, oh, you see this, and it's like, this is t- typically how long it takes. Um, there, I have no idea what all is involved or what all that would take, other than the word surgery came up, which is hardly a surprise, but there's no timeline or anything else like that. So hopefully it's not that serious, but it's certainly frustrating that, uh, you know, obviously the, the the two receivers who were supposed to carry this offense from that position were both injured basically the whole season. And Landry obviously was pretty productive despite it, but it's just like, you know, what are we doing here that we, we, we can't get to the season healthy and we're, we're basically starting behind uh, in terms of where we want to be. Uh, you know, some people are probably going to, you know, point the fingers, you know, at, at camp and the physicality of it and the amount of times that pads were worn. But, you know, this is Del weren't do- yeah, that's what I'm saying. These guys weren't doing a ton then. We, so remember, I mean, this we, was- we did we did the softball gate thing. That's right. Oh, my God. That is right. I forgot that was about that. Way but- before his charity softball game and, he, and what he was what he was doing and what he wasn't doing. He was hitting, but he wasn't fielding. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, uh, both he and Landry are bef- both he and Beckham are way before anything training camp. This is all voluntary stuff. Wow, yeah, I completely forgot about that. Nice call there, sir. Um, so you know, look, I mean, you know, how much that stalled the offense here? And this was one today. You know, somebody you know trying to make the case for Freddie. Well, Nick Chubb is a you know, look, Nick Chubb was never supposed to be the star of this offense. I mean, I'm not knocking Nick Chubb here in any way whatsoever, but this was never drawn up where, you know, Nick Chubb was going to be the star. Look, Jarvis Landry, you've made the Pro Bowl several times as a reserve here. There is no, no business whatsoever to go there now. Let some let somebody younger get their shot. Get yourself right here. And, you know, look, and this team can't afford to spend this amount on a wide receiving duo the second year in a row to just sniff around 2,000 yards and, you know, hopefully get around, you know, 175 receptions. I ain't going to work. It, it, it's it's just not going to work. These two got to get their bodies right. Uh, there's just no way around it. Uh, you know, Nick, you want to go get one carry, say hello, and get the hell out of there. But, you know, you guys know Pete and I stance. Uh, yeah, it's great you get voted to it, but please, I don't ever want you to go. Well, more than anything, I mean, you know, when it comes to the off season. Um, so many people focus about getting your body right in terms of what that means training-wise. I think more than anything, it's about just rest and taking taking that load off. 
so you're not beating yourself up. And I think especially for guys like Landry and Beckham, that may be the most important thing is just the amount of time they can sort of take off or are forced to take off so they aren't in a situation where they're essentially playing hurt. Exactly. And look, and you're the point now, look, and and actually, you know, obviously the Browns have lost some people, but, you know, you go to the injury report and it's only about seven or eight names and, you know, to see limited on, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, that's not too much. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I'd love to see Kendall Lamb get one more start. I I don't need to see Chris Hubbard ever again. Let's just end the Chris Hubbard error. Uh, Olivier Vernon and, you know, say, no, well, maybe he can't look. Olivier Vernon doesn't need to play Sunday. And, when it's been, he's missed six out of seven games. It really makes you wonder what the extent of it is. My guess is it's something MCL-wise where maybe he can go north and south, but he can't go left and right. So it's probably something of that nature, and there's really zero reason for him to go. Um, you know, Hilliard's another one now on IR, and which who's still listed as the first string kickoff returner and punt returner. So whatever the hell that means. More coming here on Lockdown Browns. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, as we roll you through your Friday edition of LOB. The original Casper mattress co- uh, combines multiple supportive fem- uh, memory foams for quality sleep surface with the right amount of both ba- sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL, all caps, and using locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions may apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Lockdown Sponsors at LockdownPodcast.com slash offers. Pete, um, you know, for all the uh, – and this is a, a pat on the back moment here. Um, Chad Thomas was out-snapped last Sunday by both Porter Gustin and Brian Cox. Uh and it just goes to show you, look, it's you can get that one splash play a week, but you know, and, and Gustin now is on the on the punt team. And uh, you know, Mike Prefer spoke about it, you know, he had a mistake early. After that, it wasn't an issue. Uh, you know, you're looking for bodies that can maybe stay around and maybe can stay around, look, maybe not make the 53 next year, but bodies that you can go through camp with. And it's starting to be the accountability thing. Are you gonna give everything you have to do in every aspect that we ask of you? And these guys are kind of doing it. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, I like Brian Cox Jr. I like the way he plays. Um, he just gives everything he has on every play, and he's not the most athletically gifted guy, but he just he, he does a lot of things right. He plays with some awareness, and, and he does uh, things that make you want him to stick around. Chad Thomas is not good, and he's not getting better. Um, he does things just really poorly in terms of you know, he was supposed to be a good run defender. He's not a good run defender. That's beyond the fact he's borderline worthless as a pass rusher. Um, he's, you know, a, a former big-time high school recruit that's just never done anything. Like, I, I, people like to knock the way I sort of, uh, you know, evaluate these players and stuff. You don't produce in college. I don't know why you're expected to then go be a productive, great player in the NFL. It just doesn't happen that often. And Chad Thomas – wasn't like a standout guy at Miami. He was a cog in, a, in, a, in an okay defense. And, you know, it's it's frustrating that, that that's the case. Meanwhile, a guy like Porter Gustin uh, had injuries, but otherwise when he was on the field at USC, he was outstanding. Like he had elite production every year, every year he, in the games he played in. And, and look, the injury thing is going to be an issue. If he, if he gets hurt, you know, he may be simply done, but 
you used a third round pick and a guy who should have been picked in the sixth or seventh or undrafted. Um, and, and you're getting sixth, seventh or undrafted results out of them. And you cut guys or you traded guys that would have helped this team to do it. Um, there were contract considerations with a guy like Manuel Agba, you know, when he was going to be a free agent, but you know, it's, it's just, you got nothing. I mean, every, there will be people who are going to point to the three sacks or whatever he has and go, Oh, look at all this stuff he does. He's not good. And he's not getting better. In fact, he's arguably getting worse. Um, so you, you have guys like Gus and you have guys like Brian Cox Jr. You have guys, uh, like uh, uh, the kid from uh, they got from the Falcons, Zimmer, who's a really nice athlete. Um, you have guys like Brandon Bryant. You have guys like Eli Anku, and and these guys will probably be in in you know the off season program and stuff. But uh, it, it's a question mark if other than Garrett coming back, Vernon getting healthy, Ogan Joby hopefully with help. And then Sheldon Richardson, you have four guys on your defensive line. You don't have five. You certainly don't have six, seven, or eight. You have four guys, and you had more than that when you started the season. And that is a huge problem. And, and with a team that's limited asset-wise as the Browns are, both in terms of their cap space and in terms of draft picks, which they may have to address, they need a lot of things, and they are worse than when they started, which is really bad. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like, it's weird that the, the grocery list has gotten longer here. And, you know, I guess a lot of that happens when it's, you know, you know throws himself up against the wall. Look, Morgan Burnett wasn't a terrible player when he was here, but the age he is, Achilles goes. And look, he was only here on a one-year deal anyway. Uh, you know, Eric Murray, who sees how this plays out, took one snap on Sunday. Um a guy that you might like to keep around because of his versatility, but you know, if it's going to get into some sort of bidding war, you know, there's teams who may value that a little bit more. It's it, the fact that there's more holes now. And it's just, that's the frustrating part. And it, it and the fact that you're not going to have one of these Sashi Brown, you know, basically essentially draft classes where you've got, you know, 10 picks, um, there's an opportunity to create some more picks. There is, but, you know, the only thing is, is to what extent? I mean, how many more holes are you going to make? Pete, take the coaching side out of it. Take Freddie Kitchens out of it. Is it important for these players to get a win on Sunday? I mean, it's a little bit – obviously, it's a young roster, but it's not like, you know, it's a lot of rookies. Uh, is it is it crucial? Is it big for these guys to win on Sunday? Because, I mean, I'm always harping on that. If you can go forward into this division – at least you got that in your pocket. You know, you, you know where you're keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Um, I think it's important. Uh, I think it does matter. Uh, you're going to have if, – if these are the guys you're going to have uh, on your team next year, I, I think part of it is you don't want to go out there and be embarrassed by a team that's 1-14. Um, you don't want to leave the season on a, on a loss. Um, and, and I think you want to have some feeling that, you know, leaving the season, you are, you know, the, you remember what it's like to win. Uh, I don't think you want to go out having lost, you know, three in a row and have played awful football in the last game you did win. Um, I think 
you have you have all these young offensive players that you want to get going. You have all, a, a really young defense now um, by virtue of the moves you've made. And I think it's important for those guys, regardless of what happens with the coaching staff, to win and feel like they're winning and feel like they're going to get into the offseason heading into a positive direction as opposed to just getting to the offseason and feeling like, you know, you know, having to essentially talk themselves into being excited about what's going on here. So I, I, I do think it matters. I do think, um, you know, as much as these are professional athletes, they, some of them are just so young that that stuff does matter and that stuff is important to them. I, I don't think they're going to be out there playing for these coaches, but I do think they are going to be out there playing for themselves. And I think that is important. I think it's about maybe time and maybe that should have been maybe three or four weeks ago where these guys realized, you know what, this ain't it. These guys ain't collectively getting it done. And maybe because it's the man at the top, uh, you know, probably has a lot to do with that with Freddie Kitchens. And you can just tell by these players and their body reactions. And maybe this is why Jarvis Landry was so aggravated week 15. Maybe this is why Odell is so aggravated week 16. Look, we're out here, man. We are nowhere near close to a hundred percent. And you know, what you're doing, what you're calling, it ain't working. There's no rhyme or reason. I mean, this is, it's a freaking train wreck. I mean, I, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing the 85 Bears. Five plays to score from the freaking one-yard line. My God. Pete, the realization that Sunday could be the last time we see Joe Schobert, David Njoku, wear Browns uniforms. Again, on this motif of, hey, let's create some more holes because, you know, that's really what this team needs right now. Well, you know, my, my belief is they're going to get the deal done with Schobert. Uh, it's just going to be an ugly, ham-fisted process because that's the only way John Dorsey seems to know how to operate. Um, uh, as far as Najoku, I, I, I wish I had any sense of what the team feels about him as opposed to apparently this coaching staff. And he may be legitimately sort of lost right now uh, with everything that's happened this season. Uh, you know, coming off the wrist surgery – and, and there's questions with that and, and the medical process, you know, why, you know, he essentially rested four weeks before then having the surgery. If that was, you know, if, if the decision was rest made sense and then they, it, it didn't re, uh, recover like they thought it would or, you know, something along that line, if there's, if there's some mitigating circumstances. But, I, but it does feel like, you know, there are lingering issues there. And obviously – unprompted at the scouting combine, John Dorsey mentioned his blocking. So, you know, I wish I felt better about where the Browns are, but my, you know, my reaction is I just don't know. Like if Freddie Kitchens isn't here and that staff isn't here, then I don't care as long as the organization's on board um, because then the new coach coaching staff may want to work with him, may love him, may whatever. But if the team's not into it and they're ready to move on, then, you know, I, I don't know what you can get for him. Um, he should have some value given his contract figure for next year is barely over $3 million before he has that fifth-year option. And, you know, it's a position that's just super, supremely valuable. But you go from a guy who was, you know, top 10 among tight ends and receiving yards in 2018 to a guy who, who can't contribute this year. Um, and now we're sort of wondering if this guy's going to even be here. And he's the one receiving weapon that they have that is young um, on this group. Like it would go from, and it's not to say that Beckham and Landry are necessarily old, but they are, are, they're on second contracts. They're on, 
Um, Heavy second contracts. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're established guys, and they weren't sort of homegrown. So you've got essentially what would be zero homegrown players at this point in terms of passing the football, which, you know, that would be of concern. And obviously, you know, if you get rid of – if you were to move from Njoku, how do you then replace him? Because what they have right now, they have some tools at tight end, but they do not have – anyone who can really do that job. I mean, they've gotten so much worse at that position in terms of what it can do for their offense and, and all those things. And, and people can be mad about the drops, but nobody on this team right now can catch. So, you know, it, what he did for the offense in 2018 in terms of the red zone efficiency, what he can be, um, to me, you know, he's got that Eric Ebron element to him. And there are people who think, well, you know, he's worthless. And there were plenty of Lions fans who felt that way with Eric Ebron. And then he went and, and signed a big contract with the Indianapolis Colts and caught a ton of touchdown passes from Andrew Luck. So, you know, to me, I, I think this, this goes back to roster construction that's just completely backwards. Um, wide receivers are not where you want to put your money um, overall. Tight ends are far more cost efficient and do more to transform your offense. And it, to me, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it, not only do I want more of David Njoku, I'd be more inclined to see if I could add to it. You know, I don't have a problem necessarily with Njoku Harris as a blocker and then Ricky Seals Jones as sort of that complimentary guy. But if, if they can improve from that and, and get Njoku and somebody else in there uh, and, and stuff, he, uh, Harris is sort of a toolsy guy. They can block and stuff, then that would be better because I think you're always going to be better uh, with that setup as opposed to expensive wide receivers. And Mayfield's history says he loves throwing the tight end. And when he didn't have Njoku, he's still throwing the ball to Demetrius Harris and, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones and these other guys. So, you know, if you're trying to form an offense around your quarterback, you know, tight end would seemingly be the way to go. Well, and this would be another, you know, hit on John Dorsey here because – you don't sell players low. Um, what'd you do with Jannard Avery? Uh, he barely played, barely suited up, and you moved him. Um, and guess what? Right now, you'd probably be thrilled to have him. David Njoku, uh, he's been game active now for three weeks. He's only dressed twice of it, two, two, two times. I mean, what, what are you doing? Actually, I'm, I guess he's only been active three of, uh, he's been inactive three or four. So you'd be selling low. And this is a reflection of the GM. There's no way, ar- there's no way around it. And the fact that, you know, David won't be 24 until I think May or some of that nature. It's just June. June. There you go. It's piss poor roster management. It's piss poor roster construction. Uh, It just, it's just aggravating. It's frustrating. And I mean, I don't know if you're, you know, if it's the sake of all, you know, well, this far away, we need players, you know, and and maybe some of the writings on the wall, because, David Njoku, in his third year, is the elder, elder statesman of the tight end room, you know, with Harris and Seals Jones and Carlson and all Brown all here, I mean, a year or less. It's, I don't know, it's one I'll never get. And, and look, I mean, if the problem was you weren't a huge fan of his blocking, then maybe don't move out Darren Fells. Maybe go find, and look, finding a true blocking tight end really isn't that difficult. Um, especially if you're only going to throw him the ball once in a blue moon, it's not hard to find a true blocking tight end. That's that's an indictment on the g- general manager. It's not an indictment on David Ajoku. 
And to base anything on this year where it's a completely lost season, and now he's coming back from a broken wrist, so who knows how much strength he has in that wrist? Maybe he's okay to run patterns and catch balls. Who knows how much strength is in that wrist and whether or not, you know, how well he could block. It, it's a pain in the ass. It, it's frustrating. Uh, Pete dropped a new mock on Browns Maven today uh, through SA.com. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, more coming on lots on Browns, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Guys, I talk all the time about Zabo Apparel, um, veteran company. Um, you know, he himself uh, is a veteran, has two children who are active in the service. I appreciate that. Uh, I love the gear. Uh, I love the concept behind it. Fabrics, quality of it all. Great people, great product. If you're looking for something, and I saw you all yesterday on Twitter, so nobody's backing away. You're all still buying your Browns gear. You need something. You want something. Please check out ZaboApparel.com on Twitter, at ZaboApparel. Great folks. Great product. Got They stand behind it. Good people. Go ahead. Check out Zabo Apparel. All right, Pete. You dropped a new one today, and I'm not sure... Looking at this tackle class, it may not have to be one, two. Um, of course, some hope there for Kendall Lamb as well. Um, but this one here, you did go, you know, first round, second round tackles. Some interesting names here and um, some schools that Pete Smith is normally not a fan of. Well, I did Jedrick Wills. It was sort of his turn. Um, I, I think he's fine. He's obviously really, really strong at the point of attack. I don't love his movement skills. Um, but, you know, if, if you've got a bunch of mobile linemen other than that, you can be fine with that sort of guy as your right tackle. And, you know, if he's never giving up ground, it can make it easier to roll out and run to the right. Um, stylistically, he's not my favorite, but he's a very good player. And, you know, assuming he passes the the Bama medical pan, uh, test, he could be <laughs> very good. I do like the fact he's so young. Um but, uh, yeah, so it's essentially just his term. I, I don't buy into the notion that you have to move him to left tackle. I, I, I get it in the long run uh, from his standpoint. Um, left tackles make more than right tackles. That's still true. But, you know, in, in general, I have no problem with the idea of, of having your right tackle be your strongest player, especially in a division where, you know, you have to deal with T.J. Watt. Um well, and also, though, these type of guys, though, this is what works for Baker in the pocket. You know, whether it's Joel, Treader, and Wyatt Teller showing this, these guys are strong in pass pro. This is what Baker needs. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a big part of it. He likes to roll right. So, if that guy doesn't give up ground, it gives him the space to roll right. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like Tega Winogo quite a bit. Uh, part of that is also the fact I, I haven't found anybody I really like in that sort of range for another tackle there. Uh, he's the guy who stands out to me. Um, he, he, you know, he's prototypical for a left tackle. Um, I'm very curious to see how he tests athletically. Um, he's slated to be at the senior bowl. I, I hope he participates because I think it could be really good for him. Uh, I, I think he's a little bit of a project, but I also think, especially if the Browns stay with his own blocking scheme and God, I hope they stay with his own blocking scheme. He's he's good for it. He's done it. It should be less of an issue for him to do that. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is he, he's athletically gifted. He's very smart, and he works his ass off in terms of how he blocks. And I'm always a fan of those guys uh, as opposed to guys who do just enough. Uh, so, 
I'm not afraid of having two rookies out there. I know a lot of people keep going, uh, you know, they're all afraid of it. The interior is really important. The the uh, the tackle positions certainly matter. There's no getting around it. But but I don't think it's the end of the world that they have to grow and 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 learn that way. And obviously they still do have Kendall Lamb. He can sort of be a little bit of a life preserver in that that uh, standpoint. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, you know, he's very good. His production was outstanding this year as a strong safety. Uh, he plays free for them. I don't love his lack of uh, pass breakups from there, but when he gets the ball, he catches it. Uh, he's physically outstanding in terms of the way he plays speed-wise, agility-wise, and, and just the way he sort of tackles is, is certainly that he's part of He's got a little Bob you. Sanders to him. Well, he just re- he reminds you of watching his dad play. I mean, he's just – he, he he's gonna you're gonna get hit and you're gonna stay hit. Yep. Um, yeah, I I I am curious because he's such a because of the way he's built, he's a big big guy. I'm curious to see how he tests in terms of agility and doing like combine drills in terms of his ability to flip his hips. The medical is gonna be a big deal for him if this is assuming he declares. He's technically eligible to play two more years because uh, he got a six year of eligibility. He had a season ending uh, hamstring injury. In 2017, he had a, a season-ending Liz Frank injury, which is one of those you, you, that might be a little bit more uh, worrying in, in, in 2018. And, and he's got the one great year of production, but that's it. Um, I think he, he becomes one of the biggest wild cards in this draft if he declares because I think the medical is going to be a big, big deal for him But because the production is outstanding, and I think teams are going to like what he has to offer. Uh, the other third round pick, I went with, uh, Roy Bravion. I hope that's how you pronounce his name, uh, from, from Baylor. Um, he <laughs> is a dancing bear. He's listed six one, three hundred thirty three pounds. And he reminds me so much of Sean Rogers, uh, coming out of Texas. Uh, I, Sean Rogers was, was, came out with a broken leg, which is why he fell. I, I, and it wouldn't surprise me if this guy moves up a little bit. Because he's he's uh, a nose tackle uh, that uh, has pass rushing production. He's really nimble. He can get into the backfield. He can collapse the pocket, uh, and he can he can get to the quarterback pretty effectively. He's got good production. I think he's going to test pretty well. I, I still believe, and this is what I said last year, that I think the nose guard position has to be too platooned. I think if you want to maximize Larry Ogunjobi, you get somebody. Uh, that can can do more of the pure run stopping stuff, and I think uh, at Bravion's size and and his pad level and stuff like that, he can he can be a plugger, not make you completely useless against the pass. So he he can still rush, but you're when it comes to more neutral and long yardage situations, you want Ogunjobi in there because he can rush more effectively. Uh, fourth round, I, I went with. Cam Akers, the running back at Florida State. Okay, well, I'm just going to jump in here. But just one second, I'm going to jump in here. But that's where I agree with you, though. I, I mean, and this is where, I, you know, everybody who tries to give Wilkes an issue, you look at this starting defensive line, which was supposed to be, you know, Miles, Olivier, Sheldon Richards, Larry Ogunjobi. This defensive line wasn't built to stop the run. And everybody who keeps criticizing Wilkes and his D, this D was – essentially was built and the players that were put into place was with the thought of 
this always going to score points. And a lot of times this team is going to be in the field and they were going to be in the position of, they were playing with a lead and expecting a lot of passes. And that's not happened. And look, you always need that big mountain guy that needs to be moved to the run game. We've been on this for two years. You need that type of guy, but go ahead, Pete round four. Right. So, you know, when you do these simulator things, um, you know, I, I keep finding Cam Akers just sitting there in, in these mid-rounds, and he was clearly the best player to me who's available here, and I just grabbed him. Um, I have questions about what the team is going to do with Kareem Hunt in terms of it's, it's even beyond the off-field stuff. It's about what they want to be on offense. Um, he's a great pass catcher. He blocks and he runs, but he, he runs different sets of plays than, than Chubb does. He's more of a gap runner and Chubb's a zone runner and Chubb's a really good zone runner. And he's sort of the dude. So if the Browns, you know, go more of his own blocking offense, as I would hope they do, they may want a pure zone blocking uh, complement to Chubb. Uh, you know, nothing says you can't have, uh, a, you know, a zone runner and a, gap runner, but in terms of what you're asking your offensive line to do, if they're really good at zone blocking and that interior is becoming exceptionally good at this wide zone uh, scheme they've been using on the inside with, with Treader and Petonio, I mean, they're, they're just fantastic for it. And Teller's getting better at it. Um, and they want another guy who can do it. Cam Akers is just great. I mean, Florida State is a garbage institution, but he has, I think... <laughs> 28.5% of their total yardage, which is elite running back stuff. Um, he has tremendous vision. He's got a great build uh, for the position. He's got good agility. He's got good speed. Uh, he'll run through some tackles. I, I think people are probably going to knock him a little bit because he, he likes the middle school, some runs, and bounce everything outside. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't think Florida State's offensive line was very good, and, and I have seen him run – on the inside and be productive from that standpoint. But the thing that really stands out to me about Akers is how good he is as a pass catcher. And yeah, there's, there's standard screen stuff. Um, and he's got great vision doing that, but there are no shortage of plays where he's catching the ball on the move and just keeps going. And he just maximizes that, that yards after catch. And I think, you know, that would be a, a great, great fit with what Mayfield does and, and, and the growing capacity of Chubb in that game, where I just think those two are great complements to each other, and they may need to go get more draft picks or more assets so they can address some of these other weaknesses. And in that scenario, they could theoretically look to move Hunt to sort of fill those gaps because they just don't have a lot of picks. Uh, and, you know, with that, they don't have a fifth-round pick, so the next pick is until round six. Um, I, where I took Logan Wilson from Wyoming. Um, I hate their quarterbacks, but they keep producing really effective uh, defensive players. And he's a guy who just sort of flies around on tape, uh, makes a lot of plays on the ball. Um, he's aggressive. Uh, he's just always active. I think he's a really good zone cover guy. Uh, and, you know, he's sloppy in a lot of things. I don't think he tackles with great technique very much. He's He's sort of a in any way he can get him down type player right now. And I think if he adds technique and he gets better at those things, I think the game moves fast for him is part of it. He plays fast and it, it goes fast. I think 
if it slows down and he can sort of slow down and improve his technique, I think he'd be a much better player. But uh, I think he's a guy you you, you like to add to your uh, your depth at linebacker. Maybe he can be something. His production is pretty good. And, you know, I think his athleticism jumps off uh, the tape a little bit. He's lifted 250. I'm really dubious of the 250. I don't think he's that big. Um, <laughs> exactly. It, it doesn't, he just he, – he, he's a nice-looking kid and all that. But it's like – and, you know, and to his credit, Joe Schobert does not look 240 pounds or whatever he is. Or, or when he came out of uh, – when he was like 255 out of Wisconsin, he, he's just a very densely built guy, very – uh, sort of ordinary looking, but he's just, you know, he's just fortunate in terms of that. So like Wilson doesn't, isn't like a super bulked up guy. He's got pretty good flexibility on all those things. So I, I would not be surprised at all. If suddenly, you know, he gets the uh, senior bowl or whatever, which he's supposed to be in. Uh, Bravion is supposed to be in the shrine game. Uh, I think the shrine game did better than the senior bowl on defensive line again. Uh, but uh I, I would not be surprised if Logan Wilson gets to the senior bowl and, and it's closer to 235 and there's no harm in that. It's just interesting. Uh, and then last but not least, I went with Joe Gaziano. Uh, you know, he's like Chad Thomas, except he's good. Uh, if you watch him play <laughs> Northwestern, his, his agility is pretty bad. His balance isn't very good. Um, he's never going to run the York. But he's a good power player, and he's got obscene production. Um, tackles, tackles for loss and sacks. He's got all those. He's got like 37.5% of, of Northwestern sacks this year with nine. Um, he, he plays both sides at end, which is one more side than Chad Thomas can play. I think he can be ver- utilized inside, which Chad Thomas should be and never has been. And he's played both even and out front. Uh, he's Good pad level, good uh, hand usage, very powerful. Uh, I think he does a good job you know, going going at opponents and using his hands. I think he's good when he can slant. He's a guy who, who will go up the field and occasionally try to sort of uh, throw the offensive lineman out of his way and redirect that way. But, uh, you know, he has some question marks. I don't think he's going to test great, but he's one of those hard-nosed guys that just produces and – if the Browns want a, you know, a real base end, which is what they allegedly wanted with Chad Thomas, they should probably get one that actually did something in college. And, you know, Gaziano's going to be at the Shrine game. Again, I think the, the Shrine game cleaned up in terms of getting defensive linemen. Uh, and he's, you know, he's 6'4", 275. So he's another big, big man. Uh, you know, you want a big old Italian out there uh, on, on, the, on the outside if you want to compliment Olivier Vernon and, and, and uh, Miles Garrett that way, then I think that's, that's a better way to do it. But yeah, I mean, they only have seven picks. It's frustrating. So like I couldn't get any wide receivers. I, I couldn't take a tight end, but yeah, that's where we ended up. Um, well, the one here, and I want to go to Cam Akers. Um, look, and this is interesting because, um, you know, look, Hunt, they found a way to use him every way, but as a guy who led the league in rushing, which Kareem Hunt did, um, if you can get a second round pick for Kareem Hunt and, you know, well, oh, well, he blocks a little bit. Well, I mean, you can find an Orson Charles. Um, that, that's easy to do. Um, so if you can get another second round pick, address some of these other needs, get a guy like Cam Akers. It's a win, win, win all day long. 
People run a little long, a little short on time here, though. Browns wise, league wise, rolling into Sunday of week 17. Anything Pete's got to get off his chest? No, I just want to get through it healthy and move on. No, I agree with you there. And there's zero doubt about that. And look, you know, it's it's Cincinnati. You want to win it. You know, you're better. Um, and the other thing is they're coming. They're going to this game with zero to lose. Either way, they're picking number one overall. So whoever they want is going to be a bangle. Um, so it doesn't matter. I mean, they can do whatever they want. I mean, whether there's 275 trick plays, whether John Ross throws a pass, Boyd throws a pass, Mixon throws a pass, I mean, zero. You got to be ready to go. Got to be disciplined. Go close it out. Feel better about yourselves. Get into whatever the off season may bring. He is Pete Smith. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore, uh, at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're, uh, you know, following over there. Uh, anything Browns wise through SI.com, Pete and his staff are putting that together. Um, it, it's crazy that we're going into the final weekend of the season. And I will tell you guys a hundred million times, nothing goes faster than the NFL regular season and proof is in the pudding. So to speak on that, uh, the show itself at locked on Browns, all over case, always a follow back account. DMs are open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. Anything you guys want into the show, questions you have, whatever. I mean, I'm doing my best trying to return everything I can. I appreciate you all for being along for this ride with us. And as much as I can give back, I will try to do that in spades. No doubt about it. Um, Again, you know, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this time of the season. Um, But we still got a game on Sunday. We got work to do. And then we'll get into off-season mode. Obviously, Pete and I had hopes for January that would be a little bit different as to what we got to cover in the beginning of January. Either way, we're equipped for it. So we're not too concerned about that. We can handle it, you know, hoping for more. Sure. You guys were, we were, everybody was, and don't tell anybody any differently. Uh, with that, we're going to put a bow on this one here. Um, appreciate you guys for letting us take a little time off, relax a little bit. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog time. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.